are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, and like the lady says, your team every day, the Locked On Browns podcast with your host, Jeff Lloyd. Um, guys, look, uh, obviously a lot of positivity, a lot of feedback um, after what was a great day yesterday. Uh, now you were talking Cleveland Browns, like I said, you were finishing the 2018 home season with a winning record at home. You are currently not the last place team in the AFC Central. And you still got the Bengals again. You still got Baltimore again. Guys, you still have a chance, conceivably, mathematically, to win the AFC North. Look, there's just so much to be excited about. But at the end of the day, guys, it's the product. You've got a quarterback. You've got receivers. You've got running backs. You've got the all-world pass rusher. You've got a solid linebacker to build your linebacking unit over. You you won yesterday without your rookie cornerback, who some people will debate for defensive rookie of the year. Just good, good times. It was great to have Terrence Mitchell back, obviously, after a long layoff. We're going to get through everything here, pro football focus-wise, with John Costco from Pro Football Focus. Um, this episode tonight, guys, is brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, guys, keep, uh, keep following along here. We're actually going to set up a league. For the listeners this week, uh, you know, I figure out when we'll set up the draft, but maybe we'll do it like Tuesday, uh, maybe like Wednesday or early, you know, midday Thursday, once we're a little more, you know, uh, established injury-wise on who's playing, who's not. But I've also got a little promo for you over at DraftKings for anybody whose fantasy seasons are up in smoke right now, and you do want to have a little relevancy here or something to at least look forward to while you're watching the games, you know, over the weekend. Now keep in mind, you're getting a Thursday night game this week. You're getting a doubleheader on Saturday. You're going to get all day Sunday, Sunday night, Monday. So, you know, fun weekend. And this is the best part when we get a little bit closer uh, to Christmas is and mix this in with the bowl games. I mean, you're almost getting to the point here where we're not going to go a night without a college football or an NFL football game. And thank God for that. John Costco, sir, my friend, how you been? How's everything going? Great. I'm, I'm, you know, you have a victory Monday again, and uh, it's good to have those. How about yourself, Jeff? It makes it a lot easier to do. I can't lie, John. Uh, you know, like we said, you know, six, 17 weeks last year of, you know, hey, kids, we didn't slit our wrists. We're still here. <laughs> yeah, last last year I was on uh, uh, Cleveland Browns Daily Weekly, and I was on it the year before as well, and it was like we, we you know. Oh, maybe that's what it is. They made you the bad luck charm over there, huh? Right? So, like, we had one victory Monday. Was it even a victory Monday? Was that New Year's Eve or that yep. Christmas Eve game on a on a Sunday? That was a Saturday game, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. a lot of people so were listening, didn't, right? <laughs> didn't technically get a victory Monday, but still, like you know, it's like uh, it's been a while since to have the to enjoy these on a more consistent basis for doing, you know, whatever it is a radio show or podcast, and it's just finally get to have like talk about good things, and you're actually nitpicking the the bad where things could be improved, and you don't have to like constantly talk about the quarterback position except for in a very very positive way yeah but that's even jeff risden wrote about that today like the best part is right now is is you can nitpick a little bit but you still won as opposed to just nitpicking something to death but without any brightness to the topic whatsoever here um i'm gonna go to this one here first and uh look the play of the day yesterday look uh, you know i don't want to discount freddie kitchens because the coaching job he did on the two counters with jarvis landry is just freaking fantastic that shows how much effort's being put into evaluating the film and scouting the film. Obviously, they said and they saw, oh, look at this. Defensive end, the Cleveland Panthers. These guys are not going to, you know, respect, you know, the cutback. They are going to over, they're going to overflow. They're over, going to over-pursue. I got something for that. And my God, did he have something for that with Jarvis Landry. Obviously, the first early touchdown. And then the, uh, you know, the long run later in the game, which proved essential. But the Baker Mayfield throw, John. 
I, I mean, first off, you know, I, you know, and I said, I put out the tweet today, you know, I, I watched it 10 times in a row, and it, you know, the best I could give to you analyzation-wise was, holy shit. I mean, just, I mean, roll out, and, and, and I think the one thing that he did really well there is he realized neither defensive back had an eye on him. So he knew if he was going to Jarvis, Jarvis knew it was coming. Those guys didn't. But take us through a play like that, because obviously, you know, there was a little heat. He got himself out, bought himself a little bit more time to set it up. But, man, that was something. Yeah, that was insane. And then if you can, when you get a chance to watch it in all 22, it's even more ridiculous watching it. Because, like, live, watching it live and, and everything, you you realize that, like, it's a fantastic throw deep, deep down the field. And uh, obviously between two, three defenders in the perfect spot, um, ridiculous accuracy on that throw. And then obviously Jarvis has to make, make the play uh, on top of it. Um all that considered, like it's still like this outrageously good throw, uh, and then on all twenty-two, you you realize how far in the air he throws it to get at that pinpoint. So I mean, like you know, he threw it fifty-five yards in the air on a rope, just perfect. So like that's that type of throw got like you know gets your your highest graded throw it's not even just a plus one big time throw it's a plus 1.5 and how ridiculous that that one type of throw is um those are pretty rare and the way only way to get like a plus two would be game situation elevating it if if he's making a clutch throw in in like you know game winning drive type situation that would be like a you know it'd get elevated to a plus two in that situation but what you know obviously Jarvis gets that same same type of grade there because he has to make that fantastic play in double coverage but um I think I think that throw there just kind of highlights the type of comfort that Baker's having in the offense right now and the confidence he has and you know I think people are are, um kind of surprised how accurate he is on on the move and outside the pocket and stuff like that and um, if anybody that, that studied him out of Oklahoma shouldn't be all that surprised that he has that because it, it, he showed all of those things in college just because obviously you're, you're going up against lesser athletes and stuff, but still like accuracy is accuracy. If you're hitting him those, those tight window throws just like that, uh, I mean, you, you can do that. And he's obviously showing that. Yeah, and, and I mean, just an impressive day for Baker. And guys, you know, scored very well, almost 91. Um, I do believe you said he made the elite team this week, right, John? Uh, John? He, he made the team of the week. He was the, the top-graded quarterback of the week. First time he has done that. Uh, just another feather in the cap as we move along with Baker Mayfield. Yes, sir. And even uh, the four incompletions, I think three were drops and one was caught. But, I mean, Baker was trying to throw it. But, I mean, these guys now just want to catch everything he throws. So, granted, it was caught. Yeah, it was like four yards out of bounds. But It, it really wasn't actually four yards out of bounds. If you watch that in all 22 from the end zone view, it, it's it's about six inches outside out, out of bounds. And Jarvis, it was like just couldn't keep, you know, he was just not tall enough to be able to keep his uh, feet in bounds as he caught it. It, it does, it, you know, from the – from the broadcast view, it did look like it was just like really far out of bounds. But when you look at it from the end zone view of, you know, the, the coach's film, it's really close. <laughs> and that's just, I mean, this is where you get with him sometimes. You just get where, it's almost like Greg Maddox. Like, like, look, I'm not going to, why am I even going to bother throwing 110 pitches? I'll throw every single ball accurate and we'll see where it's at. And, 
you know, 18 to 22. And, you know, the 236 seems a little bit low, but, you know, they got to the point there where, you know, you didn't have to throw the ball around a lot in the fourth quarter the last five minutes like you had in some other weeks where it's gotten them closer to 300. But just when he can go on these streaks of being as accurate, it doesn't matter. I mean, the wide receiver's name could be, you know, John Smith. It's just not going to freaking matter. He's just that good. It's going to be on the numbers. It's almost like he's going to put it in your gut and, you know, it'll just stick there. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you look at what he was able to do at Oklahoma. He didn't put up the the Patrick Mahomes types yardage numbers on a, like, you know, that he would show or whatever because Mahomes would throw it like, you know, 50, 60 times a game. That may be late. Yeah, right. So like Baker would throw it uh, far fewer, but he'd have his yards attempt would be obviously still really high. You know, I think he set the college record for that or whatever. But still, like it was incredibly efficient because he was always pinpoint with his accuracy and always moving the chains, and that's what you get with this guy. And you're right, like it doesn't really matter who the wide receiver is; he's going to put it on him. And those guys just have to bring it in. You know, you're talking about he easily should have had three touchdowns yesterday. Brashard Perriman stumbled after he caught that that first uh, pass. And then Higgins had the drop on probably would have been a touchdown. It would have been close on that, you know, the safety over the top coming yep. you know, to make tackle. But that was that was there as well. So it's like, you know, and, and that's the thing that, you know, it comes into a drop. And so you look at this and it's like, oh, it could have been so much more. And that's where our grades come into play and it's like, yes, it could have been so much more. And we grade these plays appropriately because of that. And so, you know, touchdown numbers are like, that's the thing. It's like he had one touchdown. It's like, well, I only had one touchdown on three and, you know, 238 yards or whatever. Well, you know, if you watched the game, you saw how, how impressive a performance was. And that's why the grades are, are, you know, king. Well, and, and this, I'm just going to pick on you guys a little bit there. Maybe this is where we got to give Brashard Perriman a little bit of a curve on that one. Um, but actually, we're all joking. Uh, Brashard Perriman is still over <laughs> 81%. But look, for Brashard Perriman, what had been his career history and you know his what his calling card were, was, was he's always hurt, and when he is around, he can't catch the ball. So um, he, he, he gets a big grade on that play. He still gets a plus course. one. But he could have had a plus 1.5. Sure. That's that's where, you know, and that's what the thing is, like, you know, you finish a play, you're getting that extra boost of a grade. So, like, you know, it's still obviously a great, great route, great, and great everything until he just, he just happened to stumble. So, you know, it's, that's, you know, what it is. And, and you know, and a great job by him on the reception in the fourth quarter. Oh, uh, Yeah, I mean, he's, look, uh, this isn't a thing, I mean, this isn't like a, oh my God, I, I think this is a kind of a thing where, if we can keep Rashard Perriman around as, you know, some weeks in number two, some weeks in number three, some weeks in number four, this is becoming more, this is, this is you know, what became an afterthought is really gaining some traction about whether or not, you know, Rashard Perriman, you want to you know make sure he can be part of this, you know, whether it's a short one-year deal where maybe he can find his way, you know, by proving it again, go make some money elsewhere, or if he, you know, he wants to settle into a two-year deal where he's got some comfortability for the first time in his career, it's something that's got to be addressed. Yeah, I think he's showing that he can. There's obviously a reason why he was a first round draft pick, and I think he's showing that that type of potential. Uh, as long as he can hang on to the football, you know. I, I in our, our PFF ch- uh, chat and on Skype that we have, uh, I I said, I, you know, I was like, ah, oh, Perriman, you know, stay on your feet. And, you know, there's a Ravens fan in there goes, like, just be happy that he actually caught the ball. That's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. That's, that had always been the thing. But, you know, and, and here it is. And it's, you know, it, it's fun to see because, look, nobody, you know, 
look, you know, guys bust out, but you never want to see a flame, guy flame out. And look, if he's still here four or five years later, obviously there's some drive to this guy, and he wants to succeed. It's not like he just said, all right, I'll take my freaking first my first round money and go. He's you know, the guy... Yep, go ahead. Yeah, he's going to be cheap, so I, that's exactly right. If you if you can keep this guy around for a couple of years because he's cheap, you know, and he... And Baker makes everyone around him better anyway. Yes, exactly. So... He's cheap. You keep him around. He's going to be productive. That's great. It can be like a Chris Hogan that the Patriots have right now. Mm-hmm. He's cheap, deep speed, deep threat. That's what you you know you can have with this type and of he, guy. And he brings some size with him as well. Um, the ultimate thing here, looking offensively at the grades, and, and I, I actually you know if you have it, I'd love to know where the offensive line ranked against the other offensive lines in the league. Um, J- J- Betonio, without even glancing twice, I have to assume was his best game. Of the season, then you get some middling efforts, you know, with Treader, with Hubbard, and then Kevin Zeitler with probably by his, you know, grade wise, his worst game of the year. Look, guys, I ain't going to worry so much about Zeitler. He's normally a reliable bag, so look, one off game ain't going to kill you. And then Greg Robinson. Look, there's good Greg. There, there was some good Greg Robinson. Then there's bad Greg Robinson. Ba- bad Greg Robinson came to town this week. Yeah, so I don't have right in front of me, and I'd have to look into it more on like where the offensive line ranked this week in terms of you know the rest of the uh, NFL. But Two oranges yeah. aren't going to help. No, exactly. And the thing is, is that it's not the end of the world either. So like, you still won the game. It's yeah, you still won the game, and obviously, what matters is that Baker got rid of he got rid of the ball on in a timely manner, read the defense as well, and and. It made the offensive line look a lot better. Like nobody noticed the offensive line struggling, or you know, parts of it struggling yesterday. So yeah, we, everybody knows about Zeitler's two penalties and Robinson's two penalties. But really, outside of that, did it, does anybody remember anything else about the offensive line? No, because the the quarterback position makes everybody else look better. And so when you when you do look at each individual part. You saw Greg Robinson was struggling in, in, as a run blocker and, and then as a pass blocker. He gave up three hurries in this game. Uh, Zeitler's grades mostly are um, because of the holds. Um, one of them was on a pass play. It didn't give up a pressure, but it, it more of a discipline-type penalty there. So uh, struggled in, in that regard. But, you know, J.C. Treader was, was fantastic in pass protection. So was Betonio. And then Chris Hubbard, you know, he was solid. So, like... Um, I think you know. I think your interior is still extremely good. A one-off game from Zeitler, not worried about it because both Betonio and Zeitler. I think I was just looking at this earlier. But I don't have it right in front of me. Both of them have the top two pass blocking grades as, of guards, and they're both above ninety for the season. So like that's fantastic. That's that's great. You want to keep that intact. I think I think what you're seeing from Greg Robinson in recent weeks is. He's been struggling and and shows in the grades and it's um, he's not as bad as he was you know earlier in his career he's better but it's still you still see some of those technique issues that that are popping up and it was that first game was a really good hey maybe he's turned a corner and I think he has but it's still got a long ways to go we'll see but now this is where you know other teams have said okay we've looked at film of this newer version of Greg Robinson which isn't so bad and we're going to adjust. And now, but look, for Greg Robinson, can he come and adjust again? And this is something, man, look, the technique is always going to be an issue with Greg Robinson. He's always going to have to f- find some time to spend with, uh, with Charles Bentley in the offseason. It's just going to be the way it is. Um, you know, is he your left tackle in 2019? 
Maybe, maybe not. Is he a right tackle in 2019? Maybe, maybe not. But he's shown enough where he is in your 2019 conversations. Guys, uh, we are, like I said, we are brought to you tonight by DraftKings. Bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs this weekend and all season long at DraftKings. The leader in one-week fantasy sports. How huge? We are talking over $1.5 million in total prizes. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. You don't like the slate for the week? You can pass. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment. At DraftKings, you are the GM. Just choose your players, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. No matter what your skill level is, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. So if you've been thinking about trying one-week fantasy football, now is the time. Guys, if anything, if it's something you want to do long-term, why not do it over the next couple of weeks? See if it's something you want to heavily invest into going into 2019. Um, because nothing makes football Sunday or Thursday or Saturday or Monday night more exciting when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. And you can play free with your first deposit to compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. Go to DraftKings.com or download the app today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, LOCKEDON, to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. That's the code locked on only at DraftKings. The game inside the game, guys. I will probably set up a league this week. Like I said, uh, you know, I'll get the ball rolling on that tomorrow. Let you guys know more about it. Anybody wants to jump in, we'll hopefully you know have a draft set up for you know I, I, maybe we'll want to do it for Thursday. So that at least that way we have our best idea of you know who's playing, who's not. Uh, you don't want to get you guys in a couple. You don't want to get yourselves in a couple of fantasy games like I am, where I'm going kickerless kicker list this week because I did not pay enough attention to the Graham Cano situation. But we do thank DraftKings for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Now, John, we're going to kick it over to the defensive side of the ball, and I don't want to go to Miles Garrett first. We're going to get to Miles Garrett because the guy's a goddamn god. Um, I think Jabril Peppers is a vastly, vastly misunderstood player in relevance to his importance to this defense. Yeah, I mean, defensive uh, quality of play is not all in, in tackle numbers, right? So he was fantastic in coverage in this game. Which was always the issue with where you were going to use him. It was always going to be coverage-wise. You kind of knew everything else that he could do, and you saw that his last year at Michigan. The question was be is what was he going to be able to and was he going to be consistent enough in coverage? Yeah, and and also when it comes to run defense, it's not all about tackles. Too, so it's where you're fitting in your gaps. Are you are you gap sound? And does the the ball happen to run to a, a different gap? That's you know then you could potentially make a play outside of out of where you're supposed to be doing in the in the defense. But then you're obviously becoming into a freelancer and where then you lose gap control and potentially can have big runs happen there. Um, you look also look at the, the missed tackles. Everybody was, you know, obviously really bad in the first half with missed tackles. There was nine of them in the first half. There's actually just one in the second half. So That's where you, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of middling numbers, but now you see a lot of green. And guys, you know, the way it works is it goes from orange to yellow to light green to the blues. If You know, the oranges are the bad. The blues are what you're looking for as far as PFF is concerned. Yes, and Peppers had zero missed tackles in the game yesterday, and and he had, uh, you know, he, he was targeted, one, gave up one pass, cut catch for three yards in coverage yesterday, and he made the tackle, um, and then he wasn't, you know, didn't give up anything else in coverage. So what else do you want more from the guy? Um, if he's not targeted, he can't make an interception. Um, if he's is targeted and the guy, he keeps the guy in front of him, and he makes a stop, you know, tackle for a very short gain. 
what morpher do you want from the guy? Uh, did he did he get pressure after the quarterback? No, that was the one area in the game that maybe he wasn't up to standards for. But really, the most important part of him is that you want him to to you know obviously stop the you know cover in coverage and stop the run when he has the opportunity to do so. And he did that, and he's grading out at a pretty dang solid level this year. Yeah, and it's just, you know, and you guys, I mean, if we tell you somebody's playing well and, you know, or had a good game, don't come back to us with box box score numbers, okay? I mean, we know that, as I'll tell you right now, we know the box score numbers too. So it's not like you're, you know, you're blowing up an argument or you're, you know, bl- you know blowing away a narrative. Uh, Jabril Peppers is solid in what he does. Um, you know, do, do you want every player on your roster to make the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I guess maybe you do. But sometimes you need just guys who get the job done week in, week out. And that's what he does. I'm going to get to Joe Schobert here because it was a rough week for Joe. And as we learned with the Oakland game, chasing around big athletic tight ends like Jared Cook isn't always a good thing for him. And what we learned yesterday is Joe Schobert and Christian McCaffrey, not really the best of matchups for poor Joe. As good as Joe is, and week in, week out, you get a great effort, you get great production, and usually the grades go along with it. This was just a tough, tough week for a guy like Joe Schobert. Yeah, uh, he had three missed tackles, and, um, and so he was part of that. The issue. I mean, and that's the thing. Of those nine in the first half, six of them, or if not more, were probably on McCaffrey. Yeah, um, I could probably look that up real quick, but um, th- that's that's the thing is that when you're tasked with covering a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who not only just, it's not even just about the missed tackle numbers for him, but just what he's able to do, uh, on a, you know, outrunning people, you know, even a juke where you, like, if you never even get a hand on him, it's, you know, if you have a, if you're in a position to make a tackle, then, you know, you pretend it's a missed tackle. But if you're not in position to make, make a tackle and he jukes you and you're five yards away, which he can do, um, you know, it's obviously, you know, credit to McCaffrey because he's just that good. Um, you know, in the game, he forced two missed tackles in coverage, or in, you know, in the receiving game. Um, and as a rusher, he forced uh, one missed tackle. So it's not like he was, a, he's a force, you know, he's a, he, he breaks tackles on a, an outrageous basis, like a Nick Chubb or, um, you know, a Marshawn Lynch type guys. But uh, what he does is, is he's extremely quick and he gets in and out of his breaks and he just makes you look foolish long before you even get an opportunity to tackle the guy. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, it's, it was a rough matchup for, the, for, for Schobert. Um, you know, in run, you know, one of the things he's asked to do is even in run defense, you know, look at his run defense gate grade for the year. It's never been good and uh, it's definitely below average. And it's because of what he's asked to do. And he's usually not... You know, he's not screaming down in run defense to, to fill a gap. He's sitting back waiting, making sure it's not a pass or some type of, you know, RPO, and he's filling those those passing lanes. Uh, it was one a one-off bad game for him. His p- coverage grade, grade for the season is at 88.1, still extremely good. So, um, you know, one bad game for the guy. He's a guy I think still should be in, consider, you know, heavy consideration for a Pro, pro Bowl. Uh, and if not that, even all, all pro because of how good he's been the rest of the year. So. And I think the biggest thing you saw with Joe Schobert is how important he was when he was not here. And that is, you know, you, it goes to, you know, the, and we've gone over this, you know, Joe, if you were drafting individual players, he's not going to be high on that list. But when that defense is playing without him, you realize the importance that he brings to it. 
Um, now, uh, Terrence Mitchell, obviously his first, uh, ma- you know, first we uh, first action since the Oakland game. Um, you know, you know, if you take the pass rush grade out of it, and look, if we think of Terrence Mitchell, we don't always think pass rush. But you know, uh, you know, whether it was run defense, whether it was tackling, whether it was coverage. I mean, you know, 60, uh, 63 in coverage, 65 in run defense, tackling almost, you know, high 78s. Nice return for a guy, and it, it, it was it's good to see because TJ Carey can do some things, and he can kind of get into physical matchups, and there's some guys who can't play with TJ Carey because they don't like the handiness of a defensive back. But Terrence Mitchell, it, it was nice to see the number two cornerback step back in this week, and you realize with him and Ward, it's although it's been a small sample size, maybe you have something there because the one thing Terrence brings that Denzel doesn't is a little bit more size, and these other guys, other than Denzel, there's some length to him. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously because you, you lost Denzel for this week, having him back was, was huge, you know, because he is that physical presence out there. Um, he did, you know, unfortunate for his, uh, you know, Box stat scores. He was the guy in coverage on DJ Moore's big, long, forty-yard uh, catch, catch and, and run yep. that five people missed tackles on. Uh, but he wasn't one of those guys that missed a tackle. He just happened to have outside leverage on the slant that Moore caught, and it just guy should have made the tackle right then and there. Um, and then he had to, you know, chase chase it down. So, you know, not his fault in that regard. Um, but he, you know, he. he he was he was good. he was very you know solid in this game. It wasn't it wasn't spectacular. Obviously, when you when you're a cornerback, you're you're going to have high grades if you're getting your hands on the ball and uh, disrupting passes in, in that regard, um, or if you're targeted a lot more often and you're you know you're forcing completions in terms of what, your close coverage or whatever. Um, he just was only targeted five times in this game. Gave up three catches for eighty yards. Obviously. You know, one of those those catches should have been for a lot shorter. So his physical presence, um, you know, in in run defense and as you know as a press corner, uh, is badly needed for the team. Uh, he does have that length and that size and that physicality that definitely is needed, and I think really helped show you know showed up um, much more in the second half than what uh, was shown in the first half. Yeah, one hundred percent. And look, we'll do Miles last, but just one thing I want to get in here. Jannard Avery, um, you know, we've seen some weeks where you know he said we we say, oh my God, maybe he should be D end, and we'll just go six, seven, eight at that group, and we'll put Jannard Avery there. But then you get a week like this week where you get reminded he came into the NFL as a linebacker, and you know, you know, all signs pointing that maybe Jamie Collins won't be here in 2019. It's a tough call. I mean, is Jannard is Jannard Avery capable? of being a full-time Sam linebacker? No, because he's not good in coverage. And I, that's, I love that's the, the that's the weak spot. And that's it. That like you if you're going to be playing as an off-ball linebacker, you have to be good in coverage. And he's not, and at least not yet. And he but the thing is he was never that good in, in college in any ways. He was always great rushing the passer and in run defense off the edge. Um, and that's what he's still shown. It seems like uh, he'd be a NFL. really great fit in a three-four as an outside linebacker. Absolutely, that's. I think that's like the ideal role for him. He's obviously in a in a four-three defense that's kind of like flip-flopping him between as the, the Sam and the and the, you know edge rush specialist. And I think you know you you look at what he was able to do in this game. He had five pressures on twenty-eight you know pass rushes, which is great numbers. Um, 
that's what he needs to be utilized as. I hate it. Every time I see him, he dropping into coverage. Same with Miles. Like, Miles dropped into coverage three times. His, his coverage grade was a 78.9 in this game. I still hate it. But why? It. But why? Exactly. Why? You know, it, it's, it's, like when, it's like when the Saints run something for Taysom Hill. It's like, Why? Why are you taking the why are you taking the elite of the elite away from what they do elite? Yeah, you know, and I think I think you're kind of seeing the um, the past couple of weeks where the the Saints offense has kind of like gone stagnant at times, and I, you can contribute that to like Breeze maybe not getting in a rhythm, but like uh, obviously Breeze hasn't been playing well, so that's probably the the issue that for the Saints. But yeah, like just rush. Miles into you know as a you know the pass rusher and I get like dropping him into coverage it's like the switch things up I get that but especially with Avery you know 13 times in this game it's to me it's it's maybe 10 times too many you know do it do it as a one-off type thing where it's like you're expecting him to to rush and then or you drop nine you just want to throw something completely different at them yeah so I, I think you know I think his utilization could be obviously improved and you know, you just look at his his grades throughout the season. Uh, obviously, great as a pass rusher. Uh, run defense has been good, and then coverage has been, uh, you know, piss poor at uh, 28.3. So, yeah. you know, like he's, he's got greens when you have run defense, tackling, and pass rush, and then it's this bright red coverage grade. So, you know, you talk about those colors. Do what he's good at, the colors, the green. <laughs> As you were listening to the Locked On Browns Pro Football Focus Night with John Costco, Matt Williamson over at Locked On NFL does a fantastic job. Monday shows, you get hosts like myself. Tuesdays, you get Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, obviously with all the young quarterback play and all the young skill play. He's a great guy to have on there on a weekly basis. You get Mike Renner from PFF. Uh, he, uh, Matt does his Pro Football Focus show on Wednesdays. You get Mike Sando from ESPN on Thursdays. Friday, Matt sits down and breaks down every game for the weekend and gives you his picks. So Matt Williamson for the Locked On NFL podcast, guys. Go ahead, subscribe, put it into the rotation. Does John Renner, what's up? Hair back for the uh, for the pod uh, that podcast. Maybe no, we did not make this week. <laughs> I was I was a little surprised, but I mean, you had the Miami, yeah, and uh, there were a couple others. Yeah, we were close. We we we, we were the we were the alternate. We were the uh, we were the fourth. We were the yeah. We were the. Uh, Fourth, the fourth horseman who did not actually make the big stage this week. Sadly, that's uh, okay. that's okay. It's going to be more of a regular thing the way it works. We'll see. Um, now, John, throw everything out PFF wise. Five, seven, and one. Three games to go. Denver, Cincinnati already won. Baltimore already won. Uh, I mean, how ridiculous is it? I mean, because I mean, these guys want to get there and fans want to get there. And look, I, you know, I, for me, you're not in the playoffs till you're in the playoffs. But I gotta be honest. I, I mean, I, I like what's coming up here the next three weeks. I, I don't think anybody on this team shrinks away from you know a, a challenge. And you know, three ball games left here. And look, even if eight seven and one does not get you in, eight seven and one, even still, if they were to lose out five from one and thir- five wins from one and thirty one, or you know, you know, you probably get Cincinnati again, six wins from one and thirty one. This has been a crazy, crazy rebound after you know, what went on and those two guys were moved on from. But what Greg and Freddie Kitchens, it, it's been a lot of fun here the last five weeks. Absolutely. When you win games, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, they're not they're not winning games in, you know, garbage-type situations where they're lucking into them. They're legitimately playing well. You've got a quarterback that's 
uh, obviously taking the the city by uh, by the reins and it's like follow me let's this is this is it this is our time and it's i mean it's obviously fantastic and um you know it's a lot more fun to watch these games where you you just as like as a fan you you see a a great play made by your quarterback and you just can't help but throw your arms up and go you know and cheer even you know just because it's it's because it's fun and it's you know you you know that you can embrace this guy as your franchise savior and you know, whatever happens in the next three weeks, yes, the Browns do have a mathematical uh, chance of making it to the playoffs. And, um, you know, even winning the division. Yes, even winning the division. So they have a division shot and a, a wild card shot. If the, the Steelers, who gifted uh, a game to the Raiders yesterday by. What, 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 I mean, what was Ben doing? Well, I, uh, well I'm kind of hurt. I can't play now. All right, if you need me, I'll go win. Well, like, what's going on? Yeah, that, mean, was, that was odd. And. I think he, maybe he over-exaggerated how badly he was hurt because obviously if he can come back into the game, like, did you think that you had this game put away because it was the Raiders? Like, they're still an NFL team, right? So, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has lost three in a row now. They go to they they play at home to the Patriots and then they go on the road to the Saints. Obviously, the who the Patriots the Patriots coming off of a loss to are going to be you know, pissed off, <laughs> and especially the way they lost. Yeah, they're not going to lose two weeks in a row, and Pittsburgh is not immune to any type of losing streak. So, and are they playing the Saints in New Orleans? Yes. Yeah. All right. Good luck with that. You better be ready to score fifty. Yeah. So that's a you know in my mind that's a loss. So you got Pittsburgh needing to beat the Bengals in Week Seventeen, and yeah, I mean the Bengals aren't great, but you know they just you know gave the Chargers sixty minutes. Yeah, so like it's still an NFL team. Obviously, what the Bengals did last year in the week, last week of the season that they beat the Ravens to take them out of the playoffs and put the Bills in, you know, you still have. And look, uh, and Jeff Driscoll sitting here right now going, "Look, look, this is this is my NFL resume. I'm in the league, but you know, is anybody going to think a damn of me? I've got you know, I've had the last two weeks and the next three to prove that you know somehow, some way, whether I'm one day an NFL starter or I'm a." You know, Chase Daniel, or I'm one of these guys that can wear a baseball hat for 10 to 12 years. Yeah, he's probably a Chase Daniel. He, oh, he, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, exactly. man, free money, baby. <laughs> no kidding, right? You, you play up 60 snaps for $20 million. Who wouldn't want to do that? But Coach Drew Stanton, baby, gets paid very well. Never even has to suit up. Yes. Yeah, so then you also look at what Baltimore has. They play the Buccaneers at home next week. Um, you know, I probably. But do they. Th- but the, the problem is with the Buccaneers, I mean, with the Ravens is. If if Flacco's good enough to go, do you play Flacco because you think that's your best chance to win, or is your best chance knowing that Ozzy's gone and maybe Harbaugh's gone is we need to play Lamar because we need to see where we're at with Lamar. That's the the Ravens. They have to figure out whether or not they're they want to be in it this year, which means maybe you play Flacco, or do we want to see where we're at with Lamar? Yeah, I mean they. I think if Flacco's healthy, that Harbaugh's going to play Flacco. And then he's gonna. I think he's gonna utilize Lamar. Oh, please! At more. least it'll be as a quarterback. Please let it be a quarterback. Well, I mean, so like, you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens next week because I would have to think that Flacco is gonna play next week. And uh, didn't Lamar get hurt in this past game? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, he was it. out for a bit because I know RG. I know RG three took yeah. reps. So I think I think Flacco is gonna come back, and I think it's like this prime for 
all right, well, Flacco's our starter again now type thing. You know, like it's a it's an easy scapegoat for them if if that. But even if both are healthy, I would I would think that Harbaugh being who he is would have Flacco be the starter because he has loyalty to him. So like I th- I see I anyway, it doesn't I don't think it matters who's their quarterback next week. I see them winning in, against Tampa Bay at home, probably going to lose to the Chargers on the road, and then it sets up essentially a, a week 17 you know, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, you know. Triple threat Browns, death match. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the Bengals with the possibility, like, I mean, I, I don't expect the Bengals to do anything the next two weeks. I didn't even look at their record, but, you know, they're sitting there at 5-8. and eight. They could go win-win, and then I don't know if there's a mathematical chance for them to, to win the division if that happens, but, um, you know, obviously – the Browns still have that shot, and then you look at some of the like the wild card scenarios. A lot has to happen, right? But I take it one game at a time. You have to beat Denver first. So, and look at the, if for anything. Look, if any Browns fans, you want to talk playoffs, you need to win these next three games. That's it. That's the bottom line. But yeah. the only way you can win these next three games is by going into Denver, playing sixty minutes of solid football. And look, I do agree. You could probably there's a good chance you could win this game. But you need to continue to bring it. And the problem is, is it's not always shown up on the road. Can they go and do that? And I got I can't lie, John. There's a little part of me that thinks about the throw Baker had to Jarvis this week. And now imagine what he could maybe do. A little thin air in Denver and rolling out. And I know there's still guys who play against him as opponents and say, This little guy, he ain't got that arm. And he can uncork something. And maybe you know it'd be similar to that Flacco throw years ago in the playoffs where, holy crap, you know, like you forget the Denver fact and Baker can just unleash one for 60, 65 yards in the air and maybe somebody on Denver ain't ready for it. The other thing is Denver's offensive line is absolutely decimated. If Larry, you know, I don't know if the injury is a thing where it's get through the season and then we're going to take care of it afterwards or if this is something that may be already be on the, 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 the process of progressing a little bit but you would have to think he's going to play again. Maybe this is a week where they lost their entire interior. Maybe you see a little bit more of Miles inside and take advantage of that. But there's some fun things here. But look, if you want to talk this, you don't get three wins. You know, well, it would be four wins in a row, but you don't get to that without getting this next W here in Denver Saturday night. Absolutely. Um, you know, you look at what Denver did last week and obviously or yesterday losing to the 49ers. Um, not a game I expected them to lose, just because the you know the, who the Ford Niners are this year. But you look at that defense, and they're they're not as uh, you know you lose Chris Harris Jr. for the year. You know he's one of the top cornerbacks. Just another one, top. exactly. Just another big that, dog. That's a huge loss for that team, and I don't care how good you know. Obviously, Von Miller is is you know an All Pro uh, edge, and, Brad, and Bradley Chubb's been fantastic. He, you got to be able to cover. Here. <laughs> you have to be able to cover, and I think with Baker, like what you see with Baker, he can get rid of the ball really quickly when he needs to, and find these these open receivers, and that's what wins games. So like you have to be able to cover, and you have to be able to pass the ball. And if, if Denver can't do that, which you know Keenum has not any, been anywhere close to what he uh, you know showed last year in, in Minnesota, uh, and this, I think they lost Cortland defense. Sutton too, didn't they? I mean, I'm not sure if he's out, but I know he went down too. Uh I, I know that like Emmanuel Sanders went out, but I no, didn't I, I think Sutton went down, and that's what led to Deshaun Hamilton's big day. So I mean, you could be walking into a Denver team that's just absolutely beat to you know beat to piss at this point. Oh wow! I, I didn't realize that then. Yeah, uh, he he started only got five targets in that game. 
So yeah, maybe uh, that's that sucks. I like I like Cortland Sutton, but um, yeah, if this is a very winnable game, and with the Denver team that's obviously struggling through some injuries, and you know they still have that front seven that's going to be excellent, but they're they're weaker, much weaker on the back end than, than what they have been uh, uh, historically. And if the Browns go into Denver to beat them, uh, you know that, that that's a good that's a good win. That's a good feel good win because of the history with those guys. 100%. Guys, this has been your Pro Football Focus uh, Monday edition of Locked On Browns. Uh, guys, everything that is done, the account over at PFF Browns, they do a fantastic job. Make sure you're following that. John Costco, a big part of that, does a fantastic job breaking all this down. I'm, I, I enjoy having him on here Monday night because we get to mix the grades, we get to mix a little ball, and then there's the stuff you guys don't get to hear them when the record button's on that we have a good time with as well. Um, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, we always keep it a follow-back account. It is the best way for you guys to interact with me. If there's things you want, guys, you will get a follow automatically. If there's a question you have, you don't want to ask where everybody else can see it, by all means, DM me. If there's a suggestion for the show, if there's something you would like to know, go ahead, send a DM. I, I will do everything in my power to return them. I, I am really good about that. As much as you guys do for me, I'll always try to give it back to you. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd iTunes rating reviews always crucial always huge for the show um, it, 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 it making yet another big month here um, and look you know there's it's September it's December 10th the Cleveland Browns are still relevant there's winnable games left you've got a quarterback you've got a running back you've got wide receivers you've got an elite pass rusher you've got a starting middle linebacker you've got some cornerbacks you've got a free safety you've got strong safeties there is so much to be excited about this product I think the only thing that would upset anybody is that maybe there's only three games left of the season. Hey, maybe there's a chance to be extended. Rattle off three more wins. Let the chips fall where they may. Until we talk the next time, guys, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.